God's word today. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Let it come alive today and speak to us clearly, each one of us individually. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to finish something that I started a couple of Sundays ago. The why behind the what. The why behind the what. I shared two weeks ago today, and I'm going to finish up this topic but, but I talked about what we do in church, but more importantly, I talked about why we do it. You know, a lot of people know we do things, and if you've been here very many weeks, you know that there are certain things we do pretty much every week. We talked about those things, what we do, but more importantly, why we do those things. And in the first week that I talked about this, I talked about the fact that we worship. We teach and preach God's Word. We give, we pray, and we invite people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We talked about what we do, but we talked about why we do these things from Scripture. We're going to continue this today, but let me set the scene for you, okay? On any Sunday morning, pretty much, when you drive onto the campus here at the Bridge Church, there are people in the parking lot who are greeting you, helping you find a place to park. You come through the doors, there are people who greet you there with a smiling face, and if there's any new information to give you, they put it in your hand. There's a connection center where people serve. There are other centers out there where people serve. There's a coffee shop where people serve. There are ushers who help you find seats and help receive our offering here in the building. We've got security team. We've got children's teams. We've got youth teams. After first service, before second service, we have community care going on out back where we'll help feed 250 to 300 people. A lot of things happen on Sunday morning, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And we're talking about why we do those things. But remember, we talked two weeks ago, above all else, while we're doing all of this, we're connecting with each other. We're making friendships. The purpose and the vision of the Bridge Church is to connect people with God and connect people with people. So we're not just doing a task. We are building relationships. Now, I want to continue today with this message with three more what's and why we do them. The first what is this concept of connecting. And I want to talk specifically about connect groups. Now, there are things that we do every Sunday year-round, but connect groups is not a part of Sunday morning. It's a separate meeting of people. But I want to tell you why we do this today. Why connecting is so important to the Bridge Church. If you would, look at Psalms 68. Psalm 68. Now, while you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible or a device with the verses, we'll have the verses on the screen. But why do we stress the importance of connecting with people and building relationships within the body. Psalm 68 says this, verse 4. Sing to God, sing praises to Him. Notice the next line. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. Now look at this picture. God is where? He's riding on the clouds. And what's the first word at that statement? Extol Him. It's as if we're down here looking up saying, God is up there. He reigns over all. He rules over all. He rides on the clouds. But from up there and to down here, as we receive his grace and mercy, we want to give our praises back to him. That word extol means to lift up or to raise up. 
We are raising up praises equal to the size and the belief that we believe God is. What we believe God is, who we believe he is. We're extolling him, we're praising him to equal who we believe that he is. The rest of verse 4 says, By his name, Yah, which is short for Jehovah, it's a contraction of Jehovah, and rejoice before him. Now look at the next verse, verse 5, because it begins to change a little bit of the tempo here. God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows. It's God in his holy habitation. Notice the, the two pictures we get here. He's a father to who? The fatherless. Those who don't have the father. Those who don't have someone to raise them, to guide them, to show them the way. God becomes a father to the fatherless. Next it says he's a defender of widows. Those who cannot defend themselves, those who cannot provide for themselves, God becomes the one, the husband, who takes care of those who cannot provide for themselves. That's our God. And look at verse 6. Verse 6 he says, but God sets the solitary in families. Now pause here just a moment. God sets the solitary in families. To set means to put them in the right place, the correct place where they belong. The word solitary here, we know what solitary means, but more correctly, it has a a lot of uses in the original writings, but one of the uses is someone who is alone and lonely. Someone who is by themselves, trying to navigate life by themselves. God takes them and he puts them in their correct place in a family. And it means it's not just a place where there are people who will take them in and let them stay there. It means there's a place where they're accepted as a member of the family. That's what God does. He takes us from lonely places where we're navigating life by ourselves and he sets us within his family and literally what god does god sets us in a spiritual house and he gives us a spiritual family now i've i've got a belief that has been with me for many 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 years now uh when i was a traveling preacher when i was just really young you would drive into some of the cities in the south and the midwest and when you drive into a small community they used to have these big boards with a sign that says, attend the church of your choice on Sunday. And then it would have a listing of all the churches in the town. I used to drive into those towns to minister in one of those churches. And as I would drive into town, I thought, well, that's interesting. They're recognizing God. They're telling you to go to church. That's a great thing. But there's one part of that picture that was wrong. You don't really go to the church of your choice. You go to the church where God places you in a family and you're accepted as part of that family. You see, Scripture says God places us in the body where he wants us. You go into many churches and you don't feel at home. You go into the right church and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I found my church home. That's because that's your spiritual house. That's your spiritual family. That's where God has set you. And out of that, family blessings begin to happen. Now, there's a picture of this. And it needs to be a priority in our lives. Romans chapter 8 paints the picture where it shows us that God is a loving father, he receives us as his children, and he makes us his sons and his daughters. So much so that we become heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Scripture says, Romans 8, he's the firstborn among many brethren. We are also brothers with Christ, sons of God, 
and we're joint heirs with him so that everything that belongs to him we share in those blessings and then the picture continues in acts chapter 2 when the early church began we find that this family atmosphere this family concept became so strong that people began to do life together, not just going to a church service together, but during the week they would gather together. They would eat meals together. They would share what God is doing. They would pray for each other. And out of this scriptural model, we see families develop within the church family. Now let me explain this real quickly. Many churches, when they begin, when they're first started, when they're planted, as we say it, when a new church is planted, you usually have a small core group of people who become like a church family. But then as the church grows, that church family is stretched and they have to figure out how do we keep family atmosphere while a church grows. Can I tell you, one of the reasons why some churches stay small is because there are family members who don't want the family to grow. And they resist new people. Doesn't happen here, but it does happen in some places. Now, let me explain this to you real quickly. We need to understand that as a family grows, and I don't know what the numbers will be today, but we'll probably have somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people come through our, our building. As people come through here today, it's hard to have a family reunion with that many people at one time. It's hard to be family when you don't know most of the family. But what God's plan is that within his spiritual house and his spiritual family, there are many families within that congregation and within that family. And we, through connect groups, help facilitate that here at the Bridge Church. And I'm going to tell you, after service today, we're having a connect group expo. When you came through the doors today, you should have received a guide like this. We are a church of connections. There are over 30 different kinds of connections here at the Bridge Church. Men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry, children's ministry, women's groups, men's groups, marriage groups, Bible study groups, church growth groups, go on a hike on a Saturday groups, all kinds of groups. Now, don't, don't start reading this right now, okay? Because you may get hit with lightning from heaven while I'm preaching. We don't want anybody to get, get burned while I'm preaching this morning. But when service is over, I want you to go through this. Why? Because God wants you to be in a spiritual family. Because spiritual amazing things happen in a spiritual family. Now let me talk to you real quickly about God's process for our lives. I'm going to do this real fast. So stay with me, okay? As a part of my life process and your life process, God receives us as his sons and daughters. He makes us his heirs. He begins to teach us his ways. And he's continually working on us, changing us from the inside out into the likeness of Christ. Making us more like Jesus. That's the journey that each one of us happens to be on. But God chooses to do much of that work with people and through people. Through other believers. Speaking into our lives and allowing us to speak into their lives. People in our spiritual house our spiritual families and can i tell you something you cannot do christianity alone you can't do it read the scripture you can't do it alone you can't make it you need people but you flip that around there are people who need 
you. And when we have our connect groups of all different kinds for all different stages and ages of life, whatever fits you best. I mean, you can go to 16 connect groups as far as I'm concerned. But as you meet your spiritual family, what you learn is there are people there who have things to share with you that you need. And there are people there who need what you have to share with them. We need each other. And it's accomplished through spiritual family. And we do a lot of that through our connect groups here at the bridge. And one of the final things that I want you to notice about our philosophy about connect groups and spiritual family is I want to ask you a question. What is it that needs to happen in every one of our lives today? What is the one thing that needs to happen on this journey? I'll tell you what it is. We each need to take our next step. And one of the purposes of our connect groups is to surround ourselves with people where we all help each other take our next step of growth and maturity and ministry in the Lord. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. Connect groups is a great opportunity for you to not make, just make friends and meet people. It's to develop family and be a blessing to people around you and receive a blessing from others. So I want to encourage you today. Stop by the Connect Group Expo and find a group. Contact the leader. Get involved. They are waiting on your call. They want to involve you in the church life and in family life here at the Bridge Church. Okay? Number two, the second thing I want to talk about, and like I said, there's three things the last two things are what we call ordinances of the church. Things that are ordained by God. Some churches call them sacraments, which means they are sacred things. I want to talk about two things, the two things that really are very sacred to the church of Jesus Christ. And the first one is water baptism. We believe in, we practice water baptism here at the Bridge Church. Now, what is water baptism? How do we do water baptism? If you've been here very long, you know it, but let me just kind of explain to you. Anytime there's a month that has five Sundays, unless it's a December month, we don't always do it at the end of December, but most months when we have a month with five Sundays, on the fifth Sunday, the last Sunday of that month, the youth stay in service with the second service, and we do water baptisms during worship second service many of you have seen us do this here at the bridge church and here's what we do we meet with those people who want to be baptized between services we tell them what our process is we explain to them what water baptism is we bring them out when service starts they're backstage we bring them out one at a time we have a what is called a portable baptistry it is simply a jacuzzi without jets and a heater we do put warm water in it, for those of you who don't like cold water. But we bring it out here on the stage. We set it up. When worship starts, we bring people up one at a time. They come up the steps. They step into the tank. They sit down in there. We tell them we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we baptize them. We put them under the water. And once they're under the water, we bring them up out of the water. Now, if you've been here for a while, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. Well, let me ask you, do you know why we do that? Because the what doesn't mean anything if you don't understand the why. It's not just a spiritual exercise. Now, as I share this today, I want you to understand. We follow what we believe is scriptural New Testament order in the way we baptize people. In the original writings, if you look at John the Baptist, if you look at the ministry that followed Jesus in the early church, when they baptized 
Oftentimes they would go down to a river or to some place where there was water and they would immerse them. The word baptize means to immerse, to dunk people all the way under the water. We don't argue with churches that do it differently. People say, well, I got sprinkled once. Does that count? You know what? I'm going to tell you what baptism is. It's not about that. We simply do it the way we see it in Scripture. We don't argue with other churches on how they do it. But I want you to know why we do this. We do this because it's always been a part of church history, and there are two parts to it. Number one, there's obedience. Jesus told us, that we needed to be baptized in water. Now, look, if you would, at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. This is a part of what we call the Great Commission. Bible scholars call it the Great Commission. It's the commission of Jesus to the church just before his ascension. Look at verse 19. Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them, it's that word where they immerse you in water, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now there's more instructions, but three of the Gospels record this. It's recorded in different ways, different words, but this great commission is given to us in three of the four Gospels. We see it followed in the book of Acts with baptism. It's talked about on many different occasions. But here's what I want you to notice today. The first why behind water baptism is obedience to Jesus. Jesus said, I need to be baptized, so I'm going to be baptized. Some people say, well, you know, I don't like to be the center of attention. You won't be. You don't, you don't worry about that. Just get back there with us. You'll see there's about 30 others who will be the center of attention with you. It's an amazing time. It's a spiritual experience. It's a great time. And I want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized in water, whether you're young, old, man, woman, I don't care what your age is, if you've got your faith in Jesus and you believe that he's your Savior, I want to baptize you in water. Number one, because Jesus said we needed to be baptized. But then, number two, there's a second part of this. It's also a testimony of what I believe. It's a testimony of what you believe. It's a testimony of our faith. It's a statement to the world of what we believe about Jesus. And let me just walk you through this today. Because if you've been here and you've watched us, you know what we do. I just described the process to you. Last time we had water baptism, we had extra people show up. We had some, almost 35 people show up. And it went a long time, but it was awesome. Because all families and friends are out here cheering as people are baptized. It's a great moment of celebration knowing people who put their faith in Jesus. But here's why we do this. Here's what it really means. First of all, when we lower people into that water, they are identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus died... When we go under that water, we're saying to the world, I have died to my sinful life, to the old life. I'm no longer going to be the person that I was. When we get you into the water, we get you down there and we submerge you, which means we put you under. Where when you are put under the water and held there for a moment, you are identifying with Christ's burial. I had somebody a few days ago, a gentleman asked me the question, now when you baptize people, how long do you hold them under the water? 
And I told him, I'll hold you under until the bubbles stop coming up. <laughs> because by that time, I know you're serious about God and you're seri having a serious conversation with him. And I don't really do that. I'm just kidding you. But the point is this. I identify with the death of Jesus and then I am buried with him and the old life is buried and it's put behind me. But then when we raise you up out of the water, we then identify with the raising of Christ from the dead, with Christ's resurrection. Just as Jesus was raised to new life, we identify with the fact that we are now living a new life. And we want everybody to know, as he died and was raised from the dead, my old life is gone and dead, and I am living a brand new life in Christ Jesus. It's a statement of our faith. This is what I believe with all of my heart. But then there's also one other aspect that I think sometimes gets overlooked. 1 Peter chapter 3 talks about this, but also you find it in the book of Acts when, when Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, was talking about his conversion, how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus and that blinding light hit him. Well, when he got into the city, there was a man named Ananias who came to him. And in Paul's words, he said, Ananias came to me and said, Brother Paul, you need to be baptized to wash away your sins. Scripture talks about the washing away. We know we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, but there's something about getting in that tank, going under that water, being raised into new life and saying, man, this is my new life, and realizing the old life is washed away. It's all done. It's behind me. My conscience is cleared. It is all done now because I believe that Jesus did all of this for me. Friend, I'm going to say something. If you haven't been baptized in water, you need to be. You need to be. And on the last Sunday of this month, September 30th, it is a fifth Sunday. We're going to be baptizing people during second service. Sign up at the Connection Center. Sign up online. Well, I'm a little, don't be nervous. Don't be bashful. Pastors will meet you back there. We'll walk you through this. It's a great time, a great event. And your family and friends will celebrate with you when you are baptized in water. Now, let me say a couple of other things that I think need to be said. Paul wrote on different occasions about putting on Christ, putting on the new man. He literally said, take off the old man and put on the new man. Well, water baptism is an act of us doing that. Putting off the old, dying to it, and putting on the new. And if, you know, if we're going to put on Christ, when we are baptized and come up out of that water, we're announcing to the world, I've put on Christ, I am now wearing the uniform of the kingdom of God. It's a statement to the world. And we don't believe that water baptism saves you. The blood of Jesus and faith in that blood is what saves you. So understand, we don't baptize you to save you. We baptize you because you have been saved. So please, please, please obey the Lord. Make a statement of your faith and get baptized in water. Have you been saved? Have you been baptized? If you haven't, then September 30th is your day. Sign up, 
I'll meet you here. It'll be a great day. If you're, if you're an adult and you want Pastor Gary to baptize you, I will baptize you. If you're a teenager and you want Pastor Corey to baptize you, he can baptize you. If you want Pastor Jeremy to baptize you or Pastor Zach or somebody else, that's fine. They can baptize you. I don't know how good they do, but I know how good I do, okay? It'll work. It'll work for you. Just kidding, guys. Well, the point is you need to be baptized in water. But then there's a third thing I want to talk to you about, and I want to close with this today. I want to talk to you about the Lord's Supper or communion. The Lord's Supper, some people refer to it as communion. We know what it is. Normally, when we have a fifth Sunday and we do water baptisms, on that Sunday we also partake of communion together partake of the Lord's Supper. We're going to do it a little different this month because we have a guest speaker on the last Sunday of the month. So in order to create more space and time, we're going to do this on September 23rd, two weeks from today. We are going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And we do this four, five, sometimes even six times a year. We know what we do. You come in the door and you get this plastic cup with two seals on top of it. You pull off the first seal and there's a piece of unleavened bread, little wafer. We take the wafer, we eat it, we peel the second layer off, there's a cup of juice, we drink the grape juice together. That's what it is. That's what the Lord's Supper is. But the question isn't, what is it? The question is, why do we do it? Jesus left it very vague as to how often we're supposed to do this. He said, as often as you do it. As often as you do. I've been in churches that do this every single Sunday. And I think sometimes when you do it every single Sunday, it becomes repetitious and you don't always honor the moment. I've been in some churches that don't do it often enough. They do it once a year maybe. I think you need to do it a little more than that. You say, well, why? Why do we do this? Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23. I want to read through four verses here. Follow with me. Look at verse 23. Before I read this, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. Paul refers to it as having received it from the Lord here in his letter to the church at Corinth. He wanted them to follow through with this. Notice his words. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. Next verse. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Notice a couple of things there. Jesus said, take this piece of bread because it's symbolic of my body being broken for you. Take it and eat it. Let it become a part of your life. Let it become your nourishment. And when you do this, do it and remember that my body was broken for you. Now look at the next verse, verse number 25. In the same manner... Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, which means the new contract, the new agreement with God. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus said when you take that cup of juice or in the scriptural context, perhaps a cup of wine, when you take that juice and you drink it, he said understand and realize that this is the payment for a new kind of relationship with God where you're not just knowing him from a distance, but the veil of the temple that separated God and the normal man, the, the, the common man, that, that veil, that curtain has been split in two. And now, because of the blood of Jesus, we have access to God himself. We don't have to go to a man. We can go directly to God because of the blood of Jesus. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it and remember the blood that's been shed for you. Just as we're baptized in water because it was a commandment of Jesus, this also was a commandment of Jesus. He said, do it from time to time so you never depart from the understanding and the meaning of the cross. You know, in Christianity, in my lifetime, we've watched the church move uptown a little bit. We've built some big churches across the country and around the world. We've become a little bit more polished than we were 40 or 50 years ago. We've become much more distinguished in the way we do things. We even make our crosses look beautiful. But you think of the cross of Jesus, it was anything but a beautiful sight. It was horror. To think they would take a man and take a whip with nine straps with metal and glass attached to those straps and beat him across the back 39 times and rip the flesh and the muscle away from the bone and then carry him off to a hill carrying the top of that cross and lay him out on that cross and nail his hands and his feet and raise him up as his blood drained away and his life left his body and wait for him to become so weak that he would suffocate. It would take hours for a person to die. Jesus, who was sinless and spotless, took that death, the breaking of his body, and the shedding of his blood to wash away our sins and to bring us into relationship with a God who could pour blessing after blessing, day after day, into our lives for the rest of our lives. Jesus said, do this and remember Anytime I talk about this, my mind always goes to Isaiah 55, a prophetic look at the cross where Isaiah saw it and he said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. The amazing thing in that chapter, Isaiah 55, is that it says in there that it pleased God to do that to his own son for our sakes. Please God. It pleased God to do that to his own son for our sakes. As I think back on the cross, Jesus said, do this and remember his body was broken. So that we could have wholeness and health and peace with God. His blood was shed 
to wash away our sins, remove the things out of the way that stood between us and God. His blood would wash it all away. Jesus said, do this to remember my body and my blood that was shed for you. It's interesting as you study out scripture, and I'm almost finished this morning, so stay with me. As you study these scriptures and look at this, Hebrews 9.22 says that without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sin. The songwriter wrote the song many years ago, What can wash away my sin? And the answer to the question, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Anytime I stop and partake of communion, I realize, number one, it was horror. It was, a, it was an awful price to be paid, but Jesus paid it for me. His body was broken. His blood was shed to wash away my sins and continually bring God's grace into my life every day for the rest of my life throughout eternity. What could wash away my sin? What could bring me into relationship with God? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, Paul went on and he talked in his next few verses. I don't have it up here for you today, but you can read it for yourself there in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul talked about the fact that some people were partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily, in an unworthy manner. And he wanted to say, you're not discerning what this is about. You're not understanding the why. You know, it's not about just taking out a piece of bread and eating it and Drink it down the juice and say, well, there's a little snack the whole meal until I get to the restaurant. That's not what it's about. Oh, we just do this because this is what Christians do. No, it's not just ritual. It's not about that. There's a why behind it. Our relationship with God comes from what Jesus did on the cross. His broken body and his shed blood. Today we're sitting in this place and I'm almost finished. But I'm sure there's probably a few people here who've never stopped to really discern and understand the why behind the cross. Friend, it was for you. It was for me. It was to wash away our sins and bring us into relationship with God where everything we do can be blessed and we can have God's provision in our lives. But it means nothing if I don't discern it and understand it and embrace it from my heart. We do that through prayer. Last night as I was preparing this message, I got to the last part and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just so strongly began to just overwhelm me. And I've taught this and preached this for years. It began to overwhelm me. God began to deal with my heart. There was an old song that began to just wash through my mind, but it was the work of the Holy Spirit. A song I haven't heard sung in so many years. As I listen to those words just run through my mind, I sense the Holy Spirit telling me, and I want you to hear this today. I shared it first service. I'll share it in second service because I don't know who this is for. Somebody here today, I think it's probably a man. Don't know where you came from. Don't know how you got here. Don't know any of that. But these words you will understand because from the time you were a child, you've heard these words, but they never became your own. The words of the song are, there is a fountain that's filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when sinners plunge beneath that flood, they lose all their guilty stains 
Your mama saying those words, your dad saying those words, and today you are here and God is telling you, I haven't forgotten about you. I still am reaching out to you to be a part of my family. But it's not just for that one person, it's for every person in this room. Forgive me for being emotional at this moment. I'm going to tell you something. God loves you so much that if needs be, he'll send out a personal note to bring you back home. I want you to bow your heads this morning. We move into relationship with God. We begin our relationship with him by opening our hearts and saying, God, I receive salvation. I receive forgiveness. I want to walk into this new life. It all begins with a prayer. Prayer that comes from the heart. I want to lead you in that kind of prayer today. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer with me. Right out loud. If it doesn't mean anything to you, you don't have to pray it. But if it's in your heart, I want everybody here to pray this prayer. Let God begin to work in your life. Pray this. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I need a Savior. I want to learn your ways. I want to walk with you. I want to be a child of God. So I put my faith in Jesus. Full payment for my sins. I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I will follow you. I thank you for receiving me. Just as I am. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you this morning, that decision is the most important decision you ever make in life. It's not the end of the journey. It's not the end of the relationship. It's just the beginning of your relationship with God. I've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just real simple reading for each of the next seven days to help you understand how much God loves you and how he wants to be in relationship with you. I want to give this to you today. If you sincerely prayed that prayer, please don't leave before you get this. Two ways you can get it. Number one, at the conclusion of service, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone about any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll have them here. They'll give it to you. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. But please, above all else, we want to give it to you. No strings attached. If you're in a really big rush, and two or three of you might be, there's a table set up, a desk set up right in the middle of the glass doors as you exit the building into the parking lot. It's got a sign overhead that talks about starting your relationship with God. You can stop by that counter, say, can I get the book? They'll give it to you right there. Again, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Now, can we, God's family, put our hands together and welcome new people into God's family today? God bless you. God loves you, and we love you. Awesome. What a great service. And what a great sense of God's presence in this place. So beautiful. Oh, I love this series that we're in, the why behind the what. I think it's so good just to stop and remind ourselves of these things. And, you know, at this time in our service, as we prepare to worship God with our giving, I want us to think back on something we heard in the first part, part one of this series two weeks ago, when we talked about why we give. There's many reasons that we give. We talked about the fact that 
We give out of obedience to God's word because he asks us to give. We give out of gratitude because we're so thankful for God's blessings in our lives. And we give as an act of faith because when we give, we're sowing into our future because the word of God tells us that when we're faithful to give, he will pour blessings back into our lives. There's many reasons that we give, but the result is always that people's lives are impacted. Others' lives are able to be changed by the Spirit of God. You know, here at the bridge, every week, we hear incredible testimonies of things God has been doing in people's lives through the ministry here at the bridge. We hear about marriages that have been restored about family relationships that have been healed and mended, about people who have felt alone and found family and community here at the bridge. We hear about people who find hope and find freedom in Jesus here through the ministry that's taking place. But you know, each and every one of us, through our individual giving, we have a part in those miracles because it's our collective giving that makes it possible for this church to exist and for the ministry of Jesus to go forth here through the Bridge Church. So as you give today, be encouraged, be reminded that your giving is impacting people's lives. You are making a difference in others' lives. God bless you as you give today. And as the ushers come, let's check out our church news together. My name is Adrian. Welcome to The Bridge. We are thrilled to have your family here with us. If you are here for the first time today, we want to give you an extra special welcome and say thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected here in the church. So let's take a look at church news and let's see what's coming up at The Bridge. Then we'll be right back to tell you how you can get involved. to the bridge? Do you want to find your place in the church but don't know where to start? If so, we would love to meet you. You and your family are invited to join us at Connecting Point, Sunday evening, September 16th at 6 p.m. Come and hear the heart, mission, and vision of the Bridge Church and meet our pastors and team. There you can find all the ways to get involved in church life. Childcare is provided for kids infant through fifth grade. Just sign up at the Connection Center or online at thebridgechurch.tv so that we can plan for you and your family. We hope to see you September 16th at Connecting Point. This Tuesday, Bridge Men launches with the premiere of Man to Man Nights. We know what it means to believe God. We've learned how to kill giants. Now it's time to finish strong and claim the destiny that God has for us all. Every man is invited to join us for a powerful night of fellowship and the teaching of God's Word. 
The evening kicks off at 6.30 p.m. when drinks and snacks will be provided. We hope to see every man here this Tuesday for Man to Man Nights. If you are here for the first time today, we would love to meet you at the Connection Center right after this service. Our team is there to welcome you, answer your questions, and give you all of the details about how you can get involved here at the bridge. Take a few minutes to stop by and say hi before you go today. We want to do our best to help you get connected in church life. If you made a decision today to commit your life to Christ, pick up your free copy of The Next 7 Days right after this service at The Next 7 Days Desk. Don't do your journey of faith alone. Let us help you take your next steps. For info on anything else, you can always check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us today. We love spending Sundays with you. Right. Well, as you can see, there's a lot of things happening around here. And ladies, I hope you have gotten your tickets for She Unites. It's our biggest event of the year for women. It's going to be a great, great night. If you have any questions or need help with tickets, you can stop by the Bridge Women table out in the foyer before you go today. And guys, you do not want to miss Man to Man this Tuesday night. It's the launch of the Bridge Men season. It's going to be a great night. And also, if you have any questions about Man to Man, you can stop by the Bridge Men table out in the foyer before you leave. And hopefully, you all received a connection guide when you came in today. If you didn't, you can pick one up at the Connection Center and take a few minutes to stop by our Connect Group Expo, which is happening right now. When you exit the auditorium, you'll see tables set up, and we've got Connect Group leaders there, and there's signs saying which tables for which group. So you can meet the leaders, you can get signed up, get your questions answered. We encourage you to get plugged in and be part of a Connect Group this term. All right? We love you. Have an amazing week, and we will see you next next Sunday.